Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your truth that does march on, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we are part of the kingdom of heaven and that we are not just part of this world, but that we are going to a heavenly home where we are going to see you face to face one day. We just pray that now you will quicken your word to our hearts, Lord, that we will learn from your word and allow it to change us where we need changing in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday morning in our Sunday school class, which most of you were not in, (laughs) that's why I don't feel bad doing this, Um, we were at this point in Matthew where we were at the story of the crucifixion. And as I was preparing to teach that, I thought, well, how can I teach the story of the crucifixion? What can I teach about the story of the crucifixion that we have not already heard. You all are very familiar with the story of the crucifixion. We've all read read it many times. We've seen it portrayed many times. Um, We've thought on it many times. It's why we're in, why we're here tonight, because of of the crucifixion. And it's the center of our, of our, of our hope, of our life, of everything. And um, so what can I teach about the cross? And the Lord just kind of stirred in my heart that the purpose, that, that, that there's a purpose, the purpose of Jesus coming to earth and going through that agony. If there was any other way that he could have purchased our redemption, would he not have done that? Um, if all the gold in the world could have purchased our redemption and opened the heaven's door for us, he could have gathered together all the gold in the whole universe and purchased it, right? But it wasn't possible. It took the sacrifice of the Son of God on Calvary's cross. It cost blood. And yesterday was the 4th of July, when we recall the blood that's been spilt in our land, across our, for our freedom, the, the, for the freedom that we enjoy in this country. It's a cost, isn't it? Freedom isn't free. You've heard that saying. It's cost many people their lives. Their blood has been poured out and spilled um, in the effort to keep our country free. And so this is a little bit of a mix of patriotic and also spiritual application of our freedoms as believers. You know, when we become born again, when we accept the Lord into our lives and we say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are my Lord and Savior, It we become part of the kingdom of heaven. And that is one of the things that we've seen repeatedly in the book of Matthew as we've gone through. Matthew is about the king and his kingdom. And we often hear about the kingdom of heaven in a future way, that someday we're going to be part of God's kingdom when we get to heaven. But truly, when we become born again, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we become kingdom citizens. And if we are, when as, when we are a citizen of the United States of America, there are certain things that you are required to do. You are required to pay your taxes, are you not? <laughs> and as citizens of the United States of America and as citizens of your locality, there are more rules and regulations that you must follow, right? 
You can't just run around with your gun and shoot whoever you please, and you can't just run through red lights whenever you don't feel like stopping for one. There's 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 some rules and regulations, aren't there, that we have to learn how to be law-abiding citizens. Well, when we come to God's kingdom, it's the same way. There are rules and regulations. I hate to say it that way because nobody likes to hear that. However, there are things that we need to learn. How do I become a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven? We're on a journey to our heavenly home. And as I was thinking about all of this and contemplating teaching that lesson, the Lord just stirred in my heart something that James, the book of James, talks to us about. And uh, tonight, as I thought about it, I thought it even calls it the perfect law of liberty. And we're celebrating Independence Day, which is a day we celebrate our liberties, right? In Philadelphia, right here in our own state of Philadelphia, we have a liberty bell that made it through the days of the Revolutionary War. And um, it has a long history. You can go visit the Liberty Bell down in Philadelphia. And not too many people know that there is actually a Bible verse on our Liberty Bell. And I know there's some of you who do know what that is because I've told you previously. <laughs> but that verse is from Leviticus 25.10. And that verse says, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And so our country was based on, was started by God-fearing men based on scriptural principles and morality. And right there in Philadelphia is that Liberty Bell with that verse on it, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. And we know today that's just kind of become a, a history item, you know, a, an antique, and and it's not much of a of a slogan for people to live by anymore, is it? But it hasn't changed in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is still trying to set the captives free and to bring us into that liberty and freedom that we find only in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And James tells us in 125, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one is blessed in what he does. And Jesus said this too, when we came across this in the teaching of Matthew as well, that as he taught the people, he's, he emphasized to them so many times, blessed are you if you hear my sayings and do them. He's looking for us to understand what he's looking for from us and to apply it to our daily life. We've had a lot in Christianity that's been feel good and been um, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and then just go and live however you please. You can live in sin and you just go back and ask for forgiveness and you just go back and sin and you just, it's called, you know, license for liberty to sin is not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus is to free us from sin, to deliver us from sin. And Christ paid a tremendous price for us to be able to live in this freedom. And he's looking for that from us. We see in his, as we look at his life, as you study his life, 
you can't help but notice how he's poured out his love. He poured out his life. He poured out his love. He so wanted the people that he was teaching and intermingling with to get it, to get him. We all have that desire in us, don't we? We need somebody to get us and to understand our heart and to know what who we are, what we are, what we like, what we don't like. We all need that. And Jesus needed that. He was trying very hard, as you study the Gospels, he was trying very hard for, to convey to his, uh, to, to the religious leaders, to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was trying to get them to understand that his, his father was, he had come from his father's kingdom. It was a real kingdom that he represented it, that all the power of heaven was behind him. He showed them time and time again by the miracles, raising the dead, causing blind eyes to see, raising, healing the lame, opening deaf ears, one miracle after another after another. He was trying to get them to understand, hey, this is it. I'm from the Father. This is the kingdom of God has come down. Believe on me. I am the Messiah. Sometimes we have, I believe, a mistaken idea that Jesus kind of hid the truth about his identity of who he was, that he was actually the Christ, the son of the living God. But he didn't. The, The Jewish people who he was talking to, the Pharisees and the scribes, they understood. They studied the scriptures, the Pharisees especially. They were men who studied the scriptures. They knew what the scriptures said, what the prophecies were about Christ and what would happen when he came. And as Jesus went about his life, he he deliberately and carefully and methodically um, did things that clearly showed them and spoke to them and said, I am Messiah. I am Messiah. I am Messiah. Believe in me. But they were so stuck on the the expectation that he would overthrow the Roman rule from off of them and the yoke that they considered a yoke of bondage, and it was it was it was uh, a yoke, it was bondage. But they were so focused on the natural that they missed the heart of what Jesus came to convey to them. And here they handled the word of life. The Messiah, they had the Messiah walking with them, talking with them, eating with them, fellowshiping with them, fellowshipping with them, saying, here I am, learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest to your souls. And he was trying to share the heart of God with them and they were getting jealous. They were getting angry. They were sort of putting their fingers in their ears and not wanting to hear the message because his message was about their heart and their heart needed help. Their heart needed the help that he had to offer and they weren't willing for it. And it's so easy for us to look back on that and say, wow, you know, they really didn't get it and they really missed the mark. But I want to present to you that it's just as possible for us to miss the mark. We can be so familiar with the story. We know the crucifixion. We know the seven last words of the cross. We know so much about it, perhaps, 
But do we know the heart of God? Do we not, do we have the heart of Christ? Do we live the way that Christ has called us to live as human beings in this world? And that's what God is looking for. Otherwise, the cross is in vain and our living is worthless. And so we want to get it, don't we? We want to look into His Word and we want to apply it to our lives. And there is always a way that we can apply it in a new and fresh way to our daily living. And, you know, we can, we can run around and always be looking for something, something, uh, more exciting and more, uh, miraculous and more fabulous. Uh, one great testimony after another. That's great. That's nice. It's good to hear. We enjoy that. But until we get the Word of God, and start living it in our daily life, applying it to today, not tomorrow, not some future time, not waiting till we get to heaven to live well, like Jesus would have us live. We better start living it now. He paid the ultimate price. He didn't pay a small price. He paid with his blood. And he was perfect. He was sinless. We deserve to pay for our sin. But he was sinless. He didn't deserve to pay for sin. And yet, he gave his life a willing ransom so that we could walk free. Wow. We could walk free. Jesus said when he went into the synagogue one day, it was the place of the reading from Isaiah where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the kind of freedom that we need to wring from the countryside, from our hearts, from our living, like the great liberty bell. When that rang, you could hear it. Well, God would like us to be like great bells in this world that ring forth his liberty and speak to the world saying, this is truth, this is truth, and I'm allowing God's truth to walk through me. How does that happen? James tells us it's so practical. It's so practical that it hurts. We don't like to hear it. (laughs) James tells us, let's just look there for a couple of minutes at some of the things James tells us. First, he tells us to count it all joy when we fall into to trials. Oh, Lord, please, Sister Rejoice, sit down right now. To count it all joy when we fall into trials. When we are tested and tried, and we still have the joy of the Lord in our living and in our demeanor, people start wondering, don't they? My father used to tell a story how when he was just getting into the ministry, his he had a little girl that was born ill, spina bifida, and his father had a terrible car crash, and something else, three things. I think there were three things all at one time that were terrible tragedies. And he was still working in the secular world at that time, also um, working in ministry. And um, the people who he was working with, there was a man who came to him one day and said to him, Bob, what do you, what's different about you? He said, I, I've, I've watched you, he said. I know what what you've been dealing with and what's going on, he said. How have you been able to keep the joy of the Lord in your life? And that's what God is looking for in us. 
He's looking for us to actually live what he's told us to live so that the people around us are attracted to Christ. We are Christ in his hands, we're his mouthpiece, we're his feet, we're Jesus with skin on. And people need to see that. And you know, it's so easy for us to just go along, make excuses for ourselves. Well, you know, I've always been like this. My father was like this. And um, this is my temperament. And, you know, there's truth to all of that. But we also have a wonderful, powerful resource. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to change us and to come to us, whatever our temperament is, whatever our weaknesses are, whatever we're like because we inherited from our Father, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died so that the Holy Spirit could be shed abroad upon us as we've been hearing Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I like to tell us that, you know, um, some of us may think, boy, we've been hearing that a lot. Well, some it, when we I, I know from my own um, experience that when we keep hearing the same thing, God is waiting for us to get it. So we got to start getting it. When we start getting it, then God will move us on to something else. We need to get it so that we are so empowered by the Holy Spirit that our living shows the world Christ alive and well in us working through us. And so then it talks about patience. Well, that's another one I know you don't want to hear about because we all want patience and we want it right now. And um, we don't want our patience to be tested. We don't want to have to wait for anything. Um, There's a lot in Christianity that has taught us that, um, you know, here's the little formula. You say these words, you pray this prayer, this is the way to pray, and send me your money and I'll send you a prayer cloth and you'll get this, 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 and this. And unfortunately, that's not what we see when we come to God's word. We, we are to come to him believing, believing. We are to come asking and he will, receiving, we receive from him. But it's on his terms. He's God. We're not God. We're not coming to a Santa Claus where we can just give him our list and say, okay, I want this all wrapped under my tree by December 25th, and, you know, please don't miss anything on the on the list here. That's not, that's not how we come to God. We come to God humbly. We come to God, and we're in relationship with him. And I've mentioned this a few times in the Sunday school class. When they asked, when the disciples asked Jesus, How should we pray? Lord, we see that you pray and you get answers to prayer. Jesus told them. And, you know, we miss it. We use what Jesus said as some little, um, prayer. Like a, like, almost like praying the rosary. Not to make fun of that, but we use it as like, just like a little prayer that we say. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and, and our, we don't even engage our brain to understand what we're saying there. Notice that Jesus started with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This is how we approach God. This is the way into prayer and into getting answers to our prayers. And God wants to answer our prayers. He wants the world around us to see the results of our praying. He said if we pray in secret, he will reward us openly. That means others will see that we've been praying. And so, but we got to learn how to pray. And what that's the way we start. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice it hasn't said anything about you or me yet. And generally, we just put ourselves first. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I need this, I need that. I want you to do this and do this for this person and set this person straight and fix this and and do that. And I command you in the name of Jesus. What are we doing? (laughs) Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, my Lord and my God, you are so holy, you are so awesome. I don't deserve to be able to even approach unto you. Thank you for the access you've given to me through Jesus Christ, your son. Hallowed be your name. Show me how to live in a way that honors you, that 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 brings you glory, that your kingdom may come, that your will may be done. Let your answers come into my life. Let your answers come into the lives of the people around me. God has answers for the needs around us. It's not wrong to bring our our our, our the needs to Him and to bring the, the the desires on our heart to Him. Don't misunderstand me here. Of course, we're to bring them to Him, but we're to allow. That's to allow Him into the situation the way He would like to come in. Not according. Now we can't just make up our mind ahead of time how God is supposed to act. And then, you know, be all fuming and and out of sorts because God doesn't answer exactly the way that we thought he was going to. And we truly have a lot of people in this world that are mad at God, angry at God, and, and not going to church anymore because they prayed for this and God didn't do it. Well, what is that? That's not, that's lack of knowledge. That's lack of understanding who God is and what he's taught us in his word and how to live as kingdom citizens and how to live in this liberty that he came to proclaim to us. We love the thought of freedom. We love the thought of liberty and that we can live free and be free in Christ. But do we love the rest of it? It goes together. You can't rip the two apart. You gotta come on God's terms. You gotta learn how to approach him. You gotta be a kingdom citizen. You've got to apply what Jesus has taught us into our daily living. I'll tell you something else. James tells us some other very, very practical things. I'm not going to go into every one of them. You can read the book. It's only like a page or two in your Bible. But he tells us one of the first things he tells us is to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, he told the story of the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man, the foolish man built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came. And what happened to that house that was built on the sand? Fell down, washed away. And the wise man built his house on the rock. And the floods came and the winds blew, but the house stood on the rock. And and what was the story there? The story was, the difference was, the foolish man heard the word of God, but didn't do nothing about it. The wise man heard the word of God and allowed it to change his living and, and lived on it, banked on it. And we really have to be quite honest with ourselves and put the searchlight on our own hearts. Most Christians go around shining the spotlight on everybody else around them and seeing how everybody else around them measures up or doesn't measure up and start praying. You know, a lot of prayer meetings are just gossip pages. Uh, you know, well, you know, we need to pray for this one because, you know, they're not really doing so good and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing the other thing. Well, what are we doing? What are we doing? We come together, we need to learn how to present ourselves to God and how to allow him to insert his kingdom and his answers into our life. 
We need to learn to be hearers of the word, but not only hearers of the word. We heard this morning, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, but God's looking for it to transfer into our living. And he's told us some pretty specific things, doesn't he? Here in James, it says, I'm going to read it to you, James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We want to be blessed. Everyone wants to be blessed. When you say, do you want to be blessed? Does anybody here want to be blessed tonight? Yes, everybody wants to be blessed. Well, if anyone among you thinks he is religious... And I would go around the room, I dare say most of us consider ourselves fairly religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Uh Uh-oh. Whew. Now we're meddling, right? Does not bridle his own tongue? This is talking about what we talk about every day, who we talk about, how we talk about them, how we talk to one another. It's in the daily dailiness of our lives. And so many times, so much of what we see in Christianity is totally disconnected from our daily life and what where we are in our daily life. But Jesus Christ is in our daily life. He's living with inside of us, and he's looking for us to walk with him and talk with him on Monday. When we have to go back to the daily grind and do laundry or go to work or get along with somebody who we really don't like. That's where, that's what this is talking about. How are we talking to one another? How are we talking about other people? If we don't get this, it says our religion is useless. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making that up. That's, that's, that's what the word says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's pretty, pretty, pretty simple, isn't it? And so we need to check up on ourselves. Well, when's the last time we visited an orphan or took care of somebody's child that doesn't have a father or doesn't have a mother? What are we doing? How, when's the last time we helped someone who's a single parent or a widow or a widower? When's the last time we've actually put the gospel, put, put meat on the gospel and minister to someone who's actually in need. God wants us to look around us at people who are in our life. We, again, have this, again, Christianity has this crazy, a bit of a distorted idea that, you know, if I go to some third world country and uh, minister to people who are starving, then then that's how I I do this. Well, that's good. If that's what God calls you to do, you better do it. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about looking right around the room and saying, how can I, how can I, how can I bless, how can I be a blessing in the lives of the people that are sitting around me, in the people in my family who are hurting, who are out of the way? How can I, how can I, how can I adjust my living? How can I change the way I interact with the people that they see me interact with and let Christ be visible in my relationships with them. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's the daily walk that Christ died for. He paid a great price. He didn't just pay a hundred bucks, plunk down a thousand dollars and say, okay, that's it. You know, that's enough. They're, they're not worth more than that. He gave his life. 
God from heaven came, became flesh, and dwelt among us, and allowed himself to be crucified and sacrificed so that we would live in a way that shows that Christ is alive and real and in me. And this is how he looks like, and this is what he talks like, and this is what he would do if he was here. You know, we've coined that phrase, what would Jesus do? But it's kind of just a cliche. We need to live it. We need to understand how to do that. And then it goes on and it talks about personal favorites. And again, it kind of hits us right between the ribs where, you know, we all have prejudices and people that we uh, prefer one above another. And if a rich person comes in, do we prefer them more than a poor person who comes in? Well, if we're going to be honest, we're all going to can all admit that, yes, we would probably, for the most part, we all have some kind of prejudice in regards to something. We're going to be honest. And we need the Lord to cleanse us from that and rid us of that. That we would just love people unconditionally, like he did. He needs, the as we I think Pastor said it this morning, they will know we are Christians by our, what? Love. But when you look at the church today, is that what we see in large? Is that what we see, love? People loving on other people unconditionally? Or we just see the body of Christ fighting and pulling each other apart and fighting and pulling each other apart and fighting. Well, God wants us to get it. He wants us to get it. And, you know, there's so many people that don't want to come to church anymore because of this very thing. All they see is fighting and not the love that Christ displayed. You know, at the Last Supper, what did Jesus do? How did he start the Last Supper? He started it by washing the feet of his disciples. They had been fighting They had been, just like us, they had been fighting with one another and chopping each other up in little pieces on the way to the Last Supper, okay? And and here they come, and, and they're all, you know, just about ready to kill one another. And they come to the table, and what does Jesus do? There, in, the, in those days, the custom was, you know, like, we all have, you know, in our in our land, the customs are different, but in their, their culture... The custom was you provided water and a towel for people's feet because they walked the dusty roads and, and it got dirty. Well, they weren't about to take care of the, provide the needs of each other and, and wash their feet. That was, let, let James do that. Let Peter do that. Let, let one of the other ones do that. I ain't doing that for him. And they had to all been fighting. So of course they didn't want to, they didn't want to minister to one another's needs. You see, Hospitality is a gift of the Holy Ghost that we can minister to one another. And sometimes we think that just by serving one another and ministering to the needs, basic needs of one another, that there's nothing spiritual about that. Well, that's not true. Jesus came into the room, and everybody's feet were dusty, and they were just ready to recline and put them up by the table. And he put the towel on, and he got the basin of water, And he went around, and he washed their feet. He ministered to them. He just did a simple, practical little thing that was the common courtesy of the day. And so often we think that unless we're up preaching or teaching or performing miracles or, or you know, getting all kind of accolades from this world, we're not doing anything for, in ministry. But Jesus said, even a cup of cold water given in my name is not going to lose its reward. And that's all he's asking of us. And I believe that there are going to be people in the kingdom of heaven that we're going to meet 
who were just faithful in their little quiet lives, giving that cup of cold water, ministering to the household of faith, ministering to the body of Christ, doing what they do best, maybe cooking a meal, cleaning a bed, washing a sore, doing whatever it was that God equipped them to do, they're going to be, they're going to shine like the stars in God's kingdom because that's what matters to God, our heart and what we're doing out of the motive of our heart, whether it's for glory of man or it's for his glory. And and um, actually, James deals with this too. And he says, um, later, uh, he talks some more about our tongues and how we talk. He says the tongue is untamable. They, you could tame a horse with a bit and a bridle, but you can't tame, tame your own tongue. And he tells us about bitter envying and strife and to quit it. And he says, where do wars, wars come from? They come from, they start with our mouths. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I'm not seeing the verse right now, but there's another verse that tells us that the selfish ambition, that selfish ambition is, it's just, it's demonic. That's what it says here. It says that selfish ambition is demonic. And you know, we're all born with a certain amount of, of selfishness that, I mean, a child, a child before it can talk, wants what it wants, when it wants it, mine, 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 mine. It's, it's built in, isn't it? There's a certain amount of selfishness. And it's only as we come to Christ, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and enable us and empower us, that we're able to let go of that selfish ambition and stop figuring out ways for everybody to focus on us and how wonderful we are and allow Jesus Christ to be the center and to be the one who gets the glory. Whether anybody ever gives us a, a, an ounce of credit or not, it really doesn't matter. All that matters is that I'm living my life for Jesus, really, really living for him, not pretending. He's not interested in us playing church. He's not interested in us putting on a show. He's interested in us being real. And that's where the liberty is. That's the perfect law of liberty that he would like us to walk in. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And stand fast there, Galatians tells us. Galatians tells us, stand fast there in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, our human nature is to follow a set of rules and to to say, well, you got to do this, and if you don't do this, then, you know, this. God's, the Spirit of God is always trying to free us from that and to tell us, come on, walk with me. Let me show you the way. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about being real. It's about your heart. It's about being in relationship with me, walking with me. That's why God loved David, because he was a man after his own heart. And David stayed in relationship with him. He wasn't perfect. We know that. He did some pretty blatant outright Big mistakes. And so have we, if we'll be truthful. But God doesn't stop working with us. He doesn't throw us overboard as long as we'll continue to allow him in and allow him to help us to walk with him in white. And we want to, we're, we're going to stand before him one day. We are going to stand before him one day. And he's not, it's not going to be about the, all the things we didn't do or did do. It's going to be about our heart, how we walked with him, how we took what we knew. You know, so people are, are really 
really, and especially at this time when, you know, things are shaky in our economy and the world is really a mess and, and things, the reports are getting worse all the time, you know, people would love to hear every time they come together some something about prophecy. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. Uh, prophet, understanding prophecy and, and what, what's happening in the end time stuff, that's all good. But God's not going to, we're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, now let me hear, how, how, how straight did you have it? How straight was your uh, explanation on, on the end times? Well, <laughs> that's not going to be the criteria, is it? It's going to be... He said, Jesus said, he's going to say, he's going to say to some, the goats on one hand, the sheep on the other. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was in prison and you didn't come visit it, visit me. I was naked and I needed clothes and you didn't give me any clothes. Huh. And they're going to say, well, Jesus, when were you hungry? When were you naked? When were you in prison? And he's going to say, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And so we need to rethink. We need to relearn. We need to humble our hearts. And we need to say each day, today, Jesus, won't you please show me how I can minister your love to the people who are in my life today. Not waiting. We can't spend our whole life waiting until some, our, our, our name is in lights and on a marquee somewhere. Okay? You, you might wait your whole life long. We've got to start today. We've got to start today being Jesus' hands and feet and Jesus with skin on and and being those people that he's called us to be. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. How's that going to happen? That's going to happen by us allowing, as I said when we started, the Lord, the Holy Spirit to use us like a great liberty bell with Jesus. show the ring, Ring out the truth, God's truth, that he's alive and well within us by living the way that he has taught us in his word. And so may the Holy Spirit help us. We sang that beautiful song, glory, glory, hallelujah, his truth is marching on. But it won't march on unless it marches in us. It has to march in us and through us. We can get all riled up and get all stirred up, but we gotta get, we gotta get the, the reality. We gotta get it living in our daily life. And so it's my prayer. Not just for you, but for me too. That will be real. That will be real. That we'll love one another. That we'll get involved in one another's lives and learn how to help one another better, better. Maybe we've done it. We have. We have done it to some degree. I know we have. And I know there are people that have done that between one another. But God wants it. We can do it better. We can do it more. And allow that beautiful law of liberty to uh, be displayed. There's a world around us that's desperate for truth and for reality. And they're not finding it many places. And so let's let's be those who ring it out across our land and allow God to bring revival. Once again, we need revival in our land. We need people to turn to God, to bend their knees. That's that's what I mean by revival. I don't just mean hooping it up and, and running around looking for miracles. I mean people be, crying out to God, getting on their knees and saying, God, I need you. Change me. Save me before it's too late. And so may God put that pressure on our hearts. Let him put that pressure on our hearts that we will see that there's a limited amount of time. Time is running out. And there are people that are lost that need reality. And we can have an effect in their lives. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.